0: Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. All right. Well, good morning. It's great to see you and uh, welcome. My name is Derek. I'm the lead pastor here at Celebration. Welcome to those watching, worshiping online. Uh, a pot belly pig, huh, Pastor Dan? That's an interesting gift. I have also not given the best gift all the time, but it's never been as bad as that. So there's even some times I didn't get my wife any gift, and I think it was still better than a gift that tore up your house. But anyway... Praise the Lord. Speaking of gifts, we did get a gift for everybody here today as well, so uh, hopefully a lot better than a potbelly pig. But, uh, you know, in January, we'll start our prayer and fasting. And on the 1st, Pastor Vicente and I have a a great video message for you. And uh, we want to give you on your way out today in the lobby. There's a table out there. We'll have them at the Christmas Eve service as well. Or if you're uh, watching online, you want to swing by during the week, we'll have some in the entrance by the office. Um, We have a a journal, a prayer booklet, group devotional, and a pen that we want to give everybody on the way out just as a gift to you, and then also it'll help you uh, in our new year. So on the way out, there's an adult or a student um, you know, packet, and so there's a journal, a pen, and that. You can see the devotional on the back as well. Pick that up on your way out, and then we also have them specially designed for your kids, and so make sure your kids grab one as well. They get one. That way, we're all doing that together. There's something powerful that happens when we're praying and we're reading together, just believing God. For whatever it is he has for us. Amen? All right. Well, hopefully uh, you were able to see through the kids during that announcement video when they were getting up there and Pastor Josiah put his email address up there if you'd like to help out with the lobby remodel. I'm not sure that we thought through putting his email address on the lower third of the screen while the kids were up there on the stage blocking it. But Uh, You know what? We did not think about that. That's actually what happened. So it'd be even worse if we did think about it. We were like, yeah, let's just hide the pertinent info. That's a brilliant idea. So anyway, Josiah at celebrationchurch.net. We'd love to have you help out 27th, 28th, 29th, uh, which is just next week, actually. That's crazy. That is next week, right? My math's cr- Okay, next week. That's amazing. So anyway, if you could help us out, that's great, and uh, we look forward to that. Today is uh, week number three in our series on joy this Christmas, and so we're going to be in Luke chapter one. Some of you have been here the last couple weeks, so this is the third week in a row out of Luke chapter one. This Saturday, I'm going to be preaching from Luke chapter two. Two, it's kinda like chapter one, but it's different. It's right next. And so anyway, if you have a Bible, you could turn there to Luke chapter one, verses fifty seven to sixty six. If you're able, if you'd stand to your feet this morning as we read God's Word together. Uh, What a powerful deal. The last couple weeks I wasn't able to read the whole text at once, because there was like twenty-five verses, and so this time we only got ten or eleven or something. And so uh, I'm gonna read them all to us here this morning as we begin. Uh, talking about joy in love. Verse 57 of Luke chapter 1, the Bible says, when it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah, but his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, but there's no one among your relatives who has that name.'" Then they made signs to his father, remember, because if you are with us, he hadn't been able to talk for this whole time, to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. It was an iPad. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. I love this. It said, immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free. And he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who, heard this about, uh, everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. Let's pray together, talking about joy in love let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity we've been given once again to lift high the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. We ask even as we hear about the birth of John the Baptist that we would become more like you. Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. I love that question that people were asking. They were wondering, what then is this child going to be? Isn't that a question that many of us parents, grandparents, caretakers have wondered at one time or another when we look at a new baby, a young child? We wonder, we ask God, what will this child be? What will they do for you? Now, although I've met many parents who think their kid is special, no one has claimed that their kid would be worthy of baptizing Jesus or writing the 67th book of of the Bible, right? We wonder what will they do, but we don't necessarily assume that they will be the greatest child in the history of the world. Some of you are like, no, 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 we wonder. Come on, people. Just be normal for a second. We, we look and we're like, they, but they poop a diaper too, you know what I'm saying? And so that's just, we look and now I know um, that many in the room even talking about a new baby, have some pain associated because there's been a desire of your heart to have a child of your own and you've not yet been granted that gift. And to you, we say we love you and we continue to pray with you as we are with a number of you. And, and we do pray that God would grant the desires of your heart in that regard because there is something different about holding your own child. Whether, again, through uh, natural birth or adoption or, or whatever situation, there's a difference between a neighborhood kid and your kid. There's a different level. They kind of all act similar. They, they act out. They all leave toys where they shouldn't. They, but, but there's something different when it's your kid. When you feel like God has entrusted them to you for whatever reason, whether through a choice that you made or uh, a dereliction of duties from another parent, whatever reason that you find yourself entrusted by God, there's something different when it's your kid. There's a different level of joy in love. Why? Because raising a kid is never easy. And that's on the good days when they, you know, finish their dinner, when they're well-behaved, when they didn't get in trouble. But every kid gives you sleepless nights when they're running a fever. Every kid, right, it gives you laundry that never ends. Every kid has constant questions and hectic schedules. But in spite of those things that don't make a whole lot of logical sense, we all have experienced that joy and love when God has entrusted someone into our care. So I want to talk about that joy and love. We see here John the Baptist is born, but I think it gives us insight, not just should you have a kid or not? Not just do you have joy and love if there's a new baby in your home, but how can we live every day of our lives with joy in love? So hopefully you have a note sheet. I've got three things uh, for us here this morning and and we're going to pray. Number one, I want to highlight the difference between stolen joy and shared joy. Stolen joy or shared joy. I love that in verse 58 it says Elizabeth's neighbors heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. I think shared joy is a hallmark. It's a defining characteristic of Jesus followers. Or at least it should be. I recognize it isn't always, but it it should be, right? That when somebody else has reason to celebrate that we can come alongside and we can share in their joy. Zechariah and Elizabeth, as I've mentioned, had prayed for decades to have a son. And here we finally read the culmination of those prayers, the provision of their miracle baby. They finally gave birth to a son. Can you imagine how often the friends and neighbors had prayed with Zechariah and Elizabeth over the years? At Christmas when other people would celebrate, at birthdays when they had none to, at graduation, at different things. Can you imagine how many times friends and family had prayed with them? Surely throughout some of that time, the friends and family had been praying prayers of their own, and they were waiting to see the fulfillment of those promises as well. And yet on this moment, when Elizabeth's joy was made complete, the Bible says that her friends, her neighbors, her relatives shared her joy. Isn't that the way it ought to be for those of us who put our hope and our trust in Jesus? That when we've co-labored with others, when we've prayed, when we've waited, when we've expected, when they receive it, we ought to celebrate it. We ought to share it, not criticize it, complain about it, and steal it. We live in a time, which is no surprise, right, because it's the plan of the enemy. The Bible says, John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So we, not, we should not be surprised when things in this world steal our joy. Think about social media for a second. A moment where, where somebody might post, oh, they got a new car. They want to share their joy with other people. You see it, and all of a sudden, the car that you've driven to work faithfully for the last seven years is no longer as exciting because somebody else has a new one, and instead of sharing the joy, now all of a sudden your joy is stolen. You're like, babe, we need a new car too. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting a new car, but how do you respond when other people get a blessing, when they get an increase, when they receive a miracle? Do you celebrate with them? Or do you complain and criticize and allow the devil to steal your joy because of what you don't have? The enemy is always trying to steal our joy. We, we recognize in a room of this size, people watching online, We've wondered, haven't we, when somebody else, we wonder, well, why did they get to have a baby? We've wondered, why did she get the promotion? We've wondered, well, why haven't I received, and you can fill in the blank, we've all been there. I've prayed, I've been faithful, and that's how the enemy works. Instead of celebrating what someone else has received, we complain about what we have yet to receive. I'm praying that we get shared joy back in our lives. Amen. Even this Christmas season, I was thinking, at least in the Ross house, um, the kids, they, they love uh, Christmas lights, driving by the brackets tree. They love all the glitter. The, and, and in our house, they love opening gifts. Even other people's gifts. <laughs> I remember this, you know, and now we got nieces and my nephew coming over this week and uh, they'll be here. They, they arrive on, on Wednesday and it's gonna be a high of one. Followed by Thursday and Friday, which are a high of negative two. (laughs) Mm. And we close it out with a high of four. But by the time they fly home on Sunday, it's probably not going to be there. I said, so guys, if we add up all the temperatures of the four days you're here in Minnesota, it's going to be minus one. Welcome (laughs) to Christmas in Minnesota, (laughs) you know. Mm. But uh, our little nieces, because my nephew's only three months old. I don't think he's going to give a rip about the presents. but, But our nieces are going to be so excited to open other people's gifts. In fact, we've kind of joked. Why in the world do we buy them presents? We should just wrap up empty boxes, let them open the paper and move on because they don't even really care what's inside. They don't care who the presents to. They just get excited about what somebody else is opening. I've seen this at at our kids' birthday parties or ones that they've gone to attend. Kids like helping the other kid open their own gift. They know they're not bringing the gift home. They know it's going to their house, but they're like so excited. That, I think, is a great picture for us about shared joy. I wonder what happened in our lives as we grew up. Could be in a physical, financial sense, but also a spiritual sense. What happened to us when we lost that shared joy? That kids even have. When somebody else receives a gift from God, as Pastor Dan was talking about, we will never be disappointed by a gift that God has for us. But so often we get disappointed when we allow the enemy to tell us, well, why didn't you get the gift that God gave them? We think about this even with spiritual gifts, which doesn't even make sense because if it's a gift from God, we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's a gift. So he gives to us what he thinks we need that will best serve his church and in these days. But we compare. We're like, well, why can't I sing like them? Or why can't I write like that? Or why can't I make... We, why, why, why? Yeah. And we, all of a sudden, we allow the enemy to steal our joy right. instead of just sharing the joy. You know, one of the things that I love about praying with people is we all get to celebrate together when we receive that answered prayer. Why? Because it wasn't the person in need or the person praying that really did anything about it. It was always God, but it increases our joy. And let me just say, if you've never had the joy of praying with somebody else to have a miracle in their life, you're missing out on a great opportunity to share joy. Because there's nothing like getting your eyes off yourself and onto other people to help make you realize the Lord has done great things for me. Maybe you're here and you're like, man, I need that greatest gift of all. You can leave forgiven and experience the shared joy, right, that God sent his son into this world so that we could be united with him forever. You can have that shared joy, and I pray you do today. Number two. Don't talk about tradition or obedience. I want to point out that this is not always either or, right? It's tough to have shared joy if it's been stolen. I get that. This point is a little bit different. I believe you can have tradition and obedience, but if you must choose between tradition or obedience, then I encourage you choose to obey the Lord. <laughs> Right, this is this is what they said. Like the eighth day, they were going to go circumcise a child. They were going to give him a family name because that's what they did. But Elizabeth and then later Zechariah was like, "Nah, we we can't do what you think. We can't just give him a family name. God has told us that His name is John." That's not to say that uh, tradition is a bad thing. I think traditions played a large role. In humanity, throughout our history, right, if we look back in these Bible times, I actually think it's pretty cool that names usually meant something in the Bible, right? There, there was a family name. I think we've lost some of that sense of uh, belonging within our families in, in our seeking for individuality. We've seemingly, in our country anyway, traded in some of that blessing of family heritage now I know some in the room are like I don't want to look back at my family heritage they were crazy they didn't love me they did wrong and let me just say then you have the blessing because you're here today no matter what the enemy tried to do in your family history your family tree you're here he set you free you like you're not here by accident all of a sudden you can be that point in the family tree that people generations later will look back and they're like that's when Jesus came into my family's life I look back in the Ross family great grandma Colbrecker I know when God changed my family's history. And I can look back when they used to go to the clubs, whatever that looked like for my great grandma. I don't know what clubs looked like back then, but apparently I'm told she went to them. (laughs) And that's when God changed our family. We can look back and you can be that person that can look back, but there's something about appreciating our family. I've been captivated by that this year, looking at our family on my wife's side and my side and just trying to learn a little bit more about what God has done in our lives. Um, but we've missed that, right? In the Bible, people would be named. They might have a family name. They, they might have a prophetic name. You know, sometimes families would name their kid what they believed God was gonna do in their life. They, it was a descriptive name. <laughs> they were, you know, I look back in scripture. Some people were named like son of my pain. How'd you like to be that dude? <laughs> well, let's just go back to something that sounded cool. You know, <laughs> the Lord has heard my cry. The God who sees, I see the God who sees me. Like we see, we learn about God by his names. El Shaddai, El Rafa. Like we, we learn about that he's a provider, that he's with, like names mean something. And here it's something so small. And yet they had to choose, will they obey God? Now traditions, as I said, are not bad, right? We uh, name our kids something that we just thought was sounded cool. Some people find out, you know, our first dog was Jackson, then our daughter, Madison Kennedy, uh, and we we're going to name our son Parker. And then my wife realized, well, there's a lot of presidential names in the family. And uh, she said, your son does not need any more reason. I said, your son, you know, anyway, that's a different story. And so we're going to, we changed his name before we gave it to him. So we didn't really change his name. Lincoln, and then our next dog, Monroe. Then my sister joined in, and their kids are uh, Reagan, McKinley, and my nephew's now Pierce. And so we're, they're presidential names, but they're not named after the presidents. <laughs> One time, somebody was like, did you know two-thirds of your kids' president names were assassinated? I was like, yeah, that's not a prophetic thing about, we just thought the names sounded cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just don't overthink it, you know? And But traditions, I I enjoy. And let me just mention that, um, you know, I think Christmas is a time where many of us enjoy traditions with our family and church and coworkers. And there's been some discussion on uh, social media recently about should you have Christmas traditions. Some of my pastor friends said uh, uh, they got a note that said, good sermon, but there was a Christmas tree in the church. I was like, well, they better not come to celebration. We got like a hundred of them, you know? Um, (laughs) So let me just give you my personal theological and biblical. I read the Bible uh, in its entirety again this year. I never found a verse that said, it's disrespectful to God if you have a Christmas tree. Now, if you don't want one, don't have one, but don't make it a Bible issue where it's not. Like you can open gifts on Christmas Eve, Christmas day, or no gifts at all. I mean, not gonna be liked, but I'm just saying like, (laughs) Right, Christmas tradition, so like for the Ross family, we Christmas Eve service, growing up, we, we did Christmas Eve service, and we drove to my grandparents' house, and my grandfather would read the Christmas story to us again, so even this Saturday we're going to have Christmas Eve service, then we 're going to eat appetizers. You're like, why do you eat appetizers on Christmas Eve because we 've been in church, and so that's the easiest thing to do. We could put an oven or buy it from somewhere, and that's what we eat, because my mom, my wife, we've been there, so that's just what we do that's a tradition. Until we eat something different, then we'll have a new tradition. Did you know it's not illegal to change traditions? Okay. Some are like, we've always done it this way. Until we don't. It's not illegal. Some people need to know that. It's not illegal to change tradition. It's not illegal for you to have a different tradition than me. But for me, we're going to have a tradition. We're going to be here Saturday at 3 o'clock. By the way, we would invite you once again, join me and my family here at 3 o'clock. Then you can have appetizers, whatever you want after it. It's going to be awesome. But... Growing up in our family, we open one gift on Christmas Eve. You're like, how did that tradition start? It's because my dad said, that's how many we can open. <laughs> if he would have said two, we would have gone for it. But he said one. That was just our tradition. I don't really care what it is. Traditions, they can be fun and festive. Now listen, of course we don't worship traditions. Okay? But let me also add, I don't think we need to spend any time criticizing other people's traditions either. Why? Because our world doesn't need any more Christian Scrooges or Grinches. So what's the point of what I'm saying with tradition or obedience? If traditions aren't bad, why choose obedience? Here's the, the big question. Are we willing to obey God in the small things too? what I mean is, uh, you know, if you came here today, if you're watching online, like you didn't have to be here today and, and you chose to. So I doubt that many in the room today are highly tempted to break one of the Ten Commandments, at least a few of them, like don't murder. I doubt most people today are like, this was the day I was going to do it. <laughs> it was it. That was, that was it. He'd said it one too many times, you know. No. So I get most of us will, will readily obey God in the big things. But my question or challenge, because when I read this, it didn't seem like necessarily who cares what the name is, unless God has told you. So my challenge, my question is, will you obey God in something small, even if everybody else thinks it doesn't matter? Like, like what he speaks to you, will you do it, even if everybody else thinks it's silly that you're doing it? Or will you cut a corner? Will you take a shortcut? All of us face that temptation, right? Well, everybody else is doing it. My dad, he's always here. Maybe you heard it this way in your house too. He's like, well, everybody ain't doing it because you ain't going to do it. I'm like, that's bad English. He's like, you can get extra spanking. Anyway, that's a different story. But will you obey him in something small? And I hesitate to even mention some small things, but let me just mention, like it, it might be evidenced in a prompting of the Holy Spirit that you hear this week like to help a neighbor in need. Will you obey God in something so small that nobody else will know? Like nobody will know if God asked you to help your neighbor unless you choose to obey. Will you help by, by giving somebody an encouraging text that you think of? Nobody will know if you don't but God will. So will you obey him in the small things? Perhaps you want to start a new tradition this year. I'd like to recommend it to everybody. Be quick to obey God. Yeah, there's a new tradition. Some of you are like, well, I always have to pray about it longer. Come on. If it's in line with the word of God, you don't have to pray about it any longer. I always think about that. I love, early on when I even came and I preached through the book of Nehemiah, I was reminded, he got an audience with the king and the king was like, what do you want? You know, Nehemiah didn't say, give me three more days to pray about it. He had prayed about it before then. (laughs) Some stuff you could pray about. If the Lord puts it on your heart, just obey right away. let me just say, it might not make sense on paper, but if it makes sense in prayer, then don't be afraid to trust God and step out in obedience to do what he told you to do. Can I get a good amen? All right, number three, this is the last point before the closing statement, which is kind of a point. But anyway, number three, keep it or spread it. Now, at this point, a few of our pastors wanted me to clarify, I'm not talking about COVID. I'm not talking about influenza or the normal flu or if they're all the same. I don't even know anymore. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know a few of our staff got it, whatever it is. And I told them with all love and respect, stay home and keep it. So we don't want it. I got too much to do this week. Can cannot get sick? I don't want to see you. Send me a text, but don't even call me, you know. <laughs> this isn't about a sickness. Here it says, immediately his mouth was open, his tongue was set free, he began to speak, praising God. Look at what happened. It says, all the neighbors were filled with awe, verse 65 said. I love that. That Zachariah's neighbors were filled with awe. Let me just say, that it's really tough to spread it if you don't first get it. So I just wonder, what's our take? What's our impression when we see God do a miracle? As I mentioned earlier, is is our first response to like not believe it? Well, they were probably faking. Is our first response to see, well, well, I guess I don't know why I don't get it, right? Or, Or are we filled with awe? When we see miracles, when we see signs, when we see wonders, when we see people saved, we see people restored, when we see God provide for things, when we see God do great things, the first thing we got to do is be filled with awe. That's one of my prayers this season, that Christians would have a a renewed sense. They'd return to a feeling of awe. Even when we come to a service when we meet with believers in our home when we get together with our family will we enjoy that moment of God's provision in our life all the neighbors were filled with awe and then it says throughout the hill country of judea people were talking about all these things let me just ask you what are you talking the most about i think What we talk the most about is probably what we're filled the most with. That's my gift of suspicion coming out to you this morning. But the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. People in the first half of the Vikings yesterday were not talking too much about the Vikings. (laughs) Second half, not talking too much. Once it was over, then we could relax. (laughs) But even my son, as they were starting to make a comeback, he was like, dad, why do they do this to us? <laughs> it was like, you are nine years old. You are already a lifelong Vikings fan. He's just ready for the agony. <laughs> and I was thinking, cause I've been alive. I've lived in other places and, but this is basically, you know, we moved here as one and a half. So just Vikings heartbreak has been his life story, <laughs> which turns out it doesn't matter how old you are. It's your whole life story, whether it's a year or 10 or 40 years. Okay, anyway, um, it's not about the Vikings, but once it happened, everybody was like, oh, that was historic, look at this, great comeback, all that. So I would just say, like, in your life, what do people hear you talk the most about? Is it about a great God? Is it uh, uh, about a government? Is it about your neighborhood? Is it about a sports team? What is it that people hear you talk about across the hill country? These people were so filled with awe that the defining characteristic of their speech was them talking about the things that God has done. I wanna be a person that's known by the things of God that I'm telling other people about. When you see God do great things, do you just keep it to yourself or do you tell everybody what God has done? You know, we're here in this Christmas week, and uh, one of the two most commonly attended church services, Christmas and Easter. So I wonder, even this week, will you keep what God has done to yourself, or will you spread it to others? Um, I know inviting somebody to a church service is not exactly what I would call the epitome or best summary of spreading joy and love, but I do think it could be a starting point for many. But I also wanted to list a few things, because I'm always concerned if if the greatest application is just bring somebody to a church service. I'm like, surely there's more to our 168 hours in the week that we're going to live that could be defining marks for us, how we're going to spread joy and love. So I wrote down three things that I want to share with you about how you can spread joy in love. They're differentiators, I think, for Christ followers. They're not limited to us, but I think if you do these three things, it'll look different because our world is going counterculture. So here's one of them. Give compliments frequently. Like even to people that you don't like. You can be nice to them. Our, that'll be totally different than what our society believes is true right now. They think you can only give somebody compliment. You can only be nice to them if you agree with them about everything. Newsflash, I don't agree with myself about everything. Here's another thing for, you know, Scrooge McDuck. Like, it doesn't cost you anything to give them a compliment. In fact, if you speak down about them, it makes you look worse. It's a total opposite effect. The enemy wants to say, oh, speak down, put them down, and build yourself up. It never works that way. Have you noticed the people who are the most well-liked are the most kind to other people? People just compliment somebody. Just be nice. Say it. Even if you don't like them, say something nice. Give compliments frequently. That'll help you at your job. It'll help you at home. We so our social media culture so often focuses, again, I heard some studies on this, but focuses on the negative. We like to complain. We like to give a bad review. We like to talk about something. I think if we'd be people who would give compliments frequently, it would help spread joy and love. Here's another thing, practical. Be considerate of others around you. We live in a self-absorbed society. Part of me wants to say a selfish society, but I don't like assigning motives, so I'm just gonna say a self-absorbed. People are unaware of others around. Like, let me give you a, for instance, if you're, this was like normal, in the South or normal when I was younger, both things are true. But if you like walk through a door, hear me out, feel free, take like a quick look, see if anybody's right behind you and just hold it open for half a second longer. I can't tell you how many times I was walking through thinking somebody like hold it for a second. I'm like half a step behind them, just boom, door hits me in the side of the head, you know, bust up my shoulder, whatever, I don't know. I got a bruise right there in my hand, hit a door, just same thing happened this week. Hold it open. It won't cost you anything. If you are that late to a meeting, three more seconds is not going to kill you. Just hold it open. Our society's kind of slamming the door on some of that chivalry and stuff. but I'm just telling you, we would just, I grew up, hold it. it. It doesn't have to just be for a lady, by the way, just like a person. Just take a look. It doesn't cost you anything. Just, oh, nobody there. Feel free to keep going. They're there, just have, let me give you another one. This, this is going to help you. This is going to be cathartic for me. And it's going to help you as well. If you're at a stoplight, there's a left-hand turn lane, you're in the center lane, and there's a right-hand turn lane there. Here's what I'm going to need you to do. Take a look. See if you can slide it up a little bit closer to the car in front of you so the person behind you, specifically me, can make a free right turn. That's what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need you to do that. It, don't update your Facebook. Don't change the radio station. Slide it on up because I'm trying to make a free Right? Just be considerate. People around you. Here's the third thing. I felt that in that moment. That was the Lord, I think. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, praise the Lord. You know, you joke. I already had somebody message me in between services. They said they put it into practice on the way out. How different it changed in their family. That was awesome. Uh, Here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. Don't complain. Two things to do, one thing not to do. Because here's what I've noticed. Complaining always leads to unbelief. Did you feel that yesterday in the Vikings game? Oh, I can't believe we did that again. What is with our... Unbelief. But, But let's think bigger. Let's think beyond a football game. Like, let's think spiritually for a second. When we complain about what God hasn't done in our life... Why in the world would anybody want to hear what he has done? (laughs) They're like, man, you've been complaining about your church, complaining about your God, complaining about your spouse. Well, nobody's going to like your spouse when they meet him. You've been complaining all year at work about your spouse and then at the Christmas party. Oh, here's my spouse. (laughs) Like, that's the same one or you got two? Like, because you said that he's lazy and she doesn't know anything and what? Like, don't be a complainer. But I'm telling you, friends, when we complain, it always leads to unbelief. There's spiritual ramifications that instead of complaining, let's be filled with gratitude. (laughs) Let's be grateful for whatever it is that God's given us, a a broken down car or a brand new one. (laughs) Whatever the situation, let's be grateful because I'm telling you, it will spread joy and love throughout our land. We're in a time where people love to criticize, they love to complain, but I believe the people of God need to be filled with gratitude. All right, I close with this. It begs the question, Pastor Dan wanted me to sing it, but I'm not gonna. What's love got to do with it? Got to do with it. Got to do with it. (laughs) It's a great question. So let me give you the answer. Really, love has everything to do with it. This is the whole message of Christmas. It's all about love. If you grew up in church, you might have John three sixteen memorized, but you may have heard it if not. But the Bible says, for God so loved. It didn't say that it was convenient for God or that it was just the right plan. It says, because of his love. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Because God so loved the world. That he sent his one and only son. Not to be celebrated, but to be used as a sacrifice. Why? So that whoever would believe in him would have everlasting, would have eternal life. What's love got to do with it? It's the reason that God the father sent God the son. Hebrews 12 in verse two says, therefore we ought to fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Joy and love. Who in the world would call torture, death on a cross? Who would say that could be joy that's set before me? some people have said, and we mean well, but let me just help you for a second. Jesus did not die for our sins. I'm going to give a pause. I'm going to let that sink in. If this was internet. It'd be a, a clip for a say. Jesus did not die for our sins. He died for us because of our sins. What I mean is, I wouldn't give you a nickel for your sins. (laughs) Why would God sacrifice his son for sins? But he would sacrifice his son for you and for me. He would sacrifice his one and only son for us because we had sinned. The sin that we committed separated us from him. What does love have to do with it? Everything. It's not just about a little baby named John. For the record, it's not even just about a baby named Jesus. This is why Jesus came, so that the Father could share their joy with us. Jesus left the splendor of heaven (laughs) to come to this earth, to be born of a virgin, laid in a manger, grow up. Into the man, lived perfect, was tempted in every way as we were, but was without sin and then would die on the cross. Why? So that God could share his joy with us. He knew that our sin would separate us from him. So he sent Jesus to us. What's love got to do with it? Everything, everything. So if you're here, I pray. If you're in need of that love, I pray you receive it today. If you've received that love, I pray that you'd give it this week. Our world so desperately needs desperately needs joy in love today. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes here this morning. I want to pray for those who are here and you say, pastor, I'm not right with God. I need to be forgiven of my sin. It's that love of God that I need to receive today. My sin has separated me from God. You want to join the eight in our service at nine plus those online. You want to join and say, Pastor, I need to be forgiven today. I need to receive that joy and love. I've been going down a path that the Bible says leads to death. And today you want to choose new life in Jesus Christ. If you're watching online, Prayer Partner is there. You can click that link for prayer. They'll be praying with you right now. But before we go, and before I pray that we would spread his joy and love to those we come in contact with this week, if you're here today, you're not right with God, But you want to be there's sin in your life friend Jesus died for you not for your sin but because of your sin he died for you so that you could share his joy forever Jesus considered that punishment on a cross worth it he said there can be joy in what I see ahead what did he see ahead? paying the price so that you could join him forever And today, you wanna join almost all of us who've already made this decision to receive forgiveness because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Today, you can be forgiven. You can be made new. The Bible says that the old will be gone and the new will come. So if that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to count to three, and you're going to lift your hand with boldness. Like a little kid on Christmas Day, you say, I want that gift. I want to be forgiven. I want new life in Jesus. And today, you can leave with joy in love. So that if that's you, when I count to three, just lift your hand up. I'm going to recognize it, and we're going to pray together. You're going to leave different. You're going to leave changed. You're going to leave completely New, you're going to have joy in love like you've never experienced before. But it's going to change your life from the inside out. If that's you, you're not right with God, but you want to be. When I count the three, just lift that hand. Say one, two, three. Lift your hand across this house. They pass it. That's me. Sure, sure. Yeah. Thank you, ma'am. 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 Join with these five. You say that's me. Thank you, sir. What a day to be forgiven. You can put your hand back down. I'm going to ask everybody to pray out loud. This is such a joy that we get to pray together for you to receive new life in Jesus Christ, to pray together for you to be forgiven of your sins, to pray together for you to be made new. So it's a joy to pray with you and those online as well. But let's all pray this out loud. Would you just repeat after me, everybody here? Say, dear Jesus, here's my life. I give it to you. Thank you for coming for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for living for me. So today, I receive your life in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Can we put our hands together and thank the Lord this morning for what he's doing? We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info@CelebrationChurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.